This is a bit of a unique Sunday for us. Uh, for those of you who've been here for a while, you know there, there are a few Sundays a year on behalf of our elder leadership team that we like to take a Sunday and give a, a bit of a family conversation uh, about Christ's community. And essentially, it's a time for us to celebrate what God has done in our past and also anticipate and look forward to what we believe he's calling us to do in the future. So if you're new here, I think this is a great Sunday to be here. This is a Sunday where you get to peek behind the curtain a little bit and see who we are, see what we're about. I hope that that excites you. And if you've been here for a while, this is your church home. My hope for you is that this Sunday is a reminder to you, as it was to me this week, preparing that God is not done surprising us at Christ's community. He's not done. And I hope that looking back on his faithfulness together, uh, with us together this morning, will encourage you as it did for me this week. And believe it or not, this kind of blew me away, Christ's community is 26 going on 27 years old this year, right? Wow. I've been here <clears throat> for six of those years as someone who's kind of new. I've been here six of those years. I can say that God has really surprised us just in that window. If you were here uh, six years ago, it was on a Sunday, our prayer on a Sunday just like this one, six years ago, was that our third decade as a church, so from 20 to 30, would be a decade of deployment. That's what we called it, a decade of deployment, of giving ourselves away to our neighborhood and our city and our world by multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders, and multiplying healthy churches. And we wanted to give you an update on how God has worked in this decade of deployment so far. But getting, and what we wanted to do is get all the campus pastors and senior pastors together and uh, let you hear directly from them. But on a Sunday morning, obviously that's impossible because they have other things they need to be doing uh, all across the city, and we want them doing that. So about a month ago, uh, we were filming our next um, community group videos, the Life We Long to Live video. If you're in a community group, you, you probably walked through one of those. Uh, we were filming those. Those are going to be ready in January of 2016. And we thought maybe since we're all here together, we can catch some of those updates, some of that excitement of what God is doing around our city in kind of one place at one time together uh, with, the, with the cameras already in place. So that's what we did. And uh, when you notice, so I, I tell you all that, so when you notice in January that we're wearing all the same shirts in the community group video as we are on this video that you're about to see, now you know why. And you're not allowed to make that joke anymore. I've taken it from you, Okay. Because now you know. So we wanted to start our morning with that video here that we shot. And it's a, it's a little longer than we would normally show. That's what happens when you get seven pastors in a room together and you film. <laughs> but the conversation that we had, we wanted every campus to be a part of. And so every campus this morning is showing, all five of them are showing this video. And I want you to know, when I see videos like this, here's, here's a window into my soul. I, I tend to think this is this is... Uh, scripted, this is all planned out, this is inauthentic, and I want you to know that we probably spent about a minute going over, here are the talking points we need to make sure we hit, just so it's not absolute chaos when we roll, when we roll tape. But other than that, what, what you're about to see is genuinely how we feel about what God is doing. And let me just say that the people on this video, and, and for me, they represent one of my absolute favorite parts of working at Christ Community, of serving here. And there are so many people, there's so many more people on staff and in our congregations that I wish we could see up here on this video to show how God's using them in surprising ways. But we had to limit it somewhere, okay? These are truly some of my best friends. I mean that. It is a joy to work with them. And it's, and it's a privilege to work together 
as we further the, the, the spreading of the gospel and the flourishing of our communities to the glory of Jesus. So let's take a look. Well, it's great to be together and get a little bit of chance to talk with one another and kind of look back and look forward. And Tom, we sit here, I, I remember six years ago, I think we, as we headed into this third decade as a church, uh, we said we hoped that this third decade of Christ community, first decade of development and the second decade of deepening, we wanted this thir- third decade to be defined by this word of deployment. And we sit here with these campus pastors and I just wonder, and I'd love to hear from all of you, but just, you know, Tom, get us started. As you look back over the last six years, what surprised you? You know, where you sit right now, what surprised you about the way God has worked through our hope and dream that this, uh, this decade would be defined by the, this word of deployment? Yeah, we said, you know, we wanted to give ourselves away rather than turn inward at this stage because churches often do that. And I think what's really surprising and encouraging and invigorating to me is that in God's faithfulness, in our humble obedience, God is continuing to expand us and to give ourselves away in greater ways of multiplication. I just look around this table and I think of all the changes, all the good changes of God's faithfulness. Each one around this table is evidence of not only the new phase we're in in terms of leadership, but a new stage of deployment and faithfulness to God. And it's just so amazing. From the very beginning, we've seen God's faithfulness. Dominica, Tim, you at Shawnee, just our newest campus. Uh, and your leadership there, Bill at Brookside, and all that God is doing there. I mean, how exciting that. And Nathan, your great work at Olathe for these years. Gabe in downtown, uh, how exciting to see what you are doing and the creativity. And uh, Andrew taking the lead at Leewood. It's just so thrilling to see. And I know for you too, Kevin, that our leadership team is expanding. And this is not only good for our mission, but it's so deep to Christ's community that we have all these wonderful leaders. As you guys lead with integrity, part, and skillful hands, it's very encouraging. I don't know if that's surprising as much as it's invigorating to me, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, particularly, I mean, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more. There's this, we've used this language around here that there's this gravitational pull to focus more on ourself. Uh, And I think as we were even thinking about this third decade, just really working to fight that gravitational pull to more of a self-centered way of thinking about church and and not being active and giving ourselves away. And and I think part of what surprises me, and maybe it's my lack of faith, but uh, is the acceleration level of our multiplication that we said we wanted to give ourselves away. And I think we really did, but I think God's really taken us at our word and he's really stretching us and we're multiplying and deploying at a level. I guess, again, I wouldn't have anticipated this rate of acceleration. It truly is amazing. Uh, a tribute to God and to yeah. and what God is doing. Yeah, you all have been involved in this in a variety of ways and lengths of time. So maybe I'd love for you to jump in too. And as you look back as campus pastors, you look back over the last six years, uh, whatever length you've experienced of that, what surprised you? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I look back even, even before this third decade started, because um, we started the Olathe campus nine years ago. And I mean, that was nine years. Yeah, nine years. And, and that was, you know, the Leewood campus stepping out in faith and beginning this, this heritage for all of us to be a part of and, and to continue to see the growth and the energy at Leewood and the ways that that has, uh, yeah, that it's just sort of trickled down in, into all of us in the way that we continue to, to give ourselves away. It's, just, it's, it's our culture uh, now as a church. And, you know, so I'm surprised even just looking, looking back, having been with this, when we started multi-site, we had 
we had no idea if it was going to work. Uh, we didn't know if we were making a terrible mistake. Yeah. Well, um, we were told by many that it wouldn't work, right? I didn't think it would work. <laughs> I, was, I was convinced that it wouldn't work. Um, I, think, I think your first uh, planning meeting, right, you, you told me this is a horrible yeah, idea. Yeah, and then I just needed a job. And so uh, can't be that bad. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm surprised by that, surprised that we get to do that. And now, now honestly, that I, I get to, to, to work with some of my closest friends. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a treat. Yeah. Well, and even to fast forward, nine years later, you going from the skeptic to having this moment at the Olathe campus where we announced we're going to plant, not just out of the Leewood campus now, but out of Olathe. Leewood's going to have their first granddaughter uh, church. Mm -hmm. And our expectation, this is going to take a long time to build up, get people excited. And, and two months later, we had 120 people ready to jump in. Yeah, and so yeah, we start yeah. Shawnee in January instead of, of August or even the, a year later in January. So we're able to start six, faster. Six months. Uh, accelerated, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. And, and to be a part of that church service, hearing Nathan to preach and send out people out of his church. I mean, we, you know, we don't want to preach bad sermons and have people leave. We preach a good sermon <laughs> and have 120 people leave. And that was just this incredible moment, people walking up to me and saying, I've never heard a pastor preach like that and be committed to this new work in this new place. It was an amazing moment. And a powerful reminder of just the amazing God we serve. I mean, I know at Olathe, sending out, what was it, 100 people, and within six months, right, that yeah. we've replaced yeah. eight months, nine months, yeah, and added months. on top of that at Olathe mm -hmm. to see that kind of growth. We know it's not Nathan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we really do serve an amazing, no, in all seriousness, I, um, that's amazing. Fair. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah. Yeah, to no, see God bless absolutely. this strategy that um, we, we think we agreed with, but to see him bless it has just been incredible. Yeah. 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 And alongside of all of that is just the, amazing generosity that God has continued to stir within this congregation. I remember one of the first times as a fellow, like I came to my first elder meeting, I'd heard of deacon meetings, I'd heard of elder meetings, leadership team meetings, and I'm expecting, okay, here's the agenda, here's a certain complaint and so on. And I step in and I find these dynamic leaders. And one of the first topics on the table was this monumental gift to start a whole new campus in Brookside. And I thought, where am I? <laughs> I remember leaving with Tom and Kevin and some of the other fellows and thinking, every elders meeting is amazing. You know? And they said, yeah, kind of. But, you know, was, and you but, learned quickly. <laughs> no, but, but in the midst of that, we've seen God's generosity through yeah. his people just yeah. continue to stir and really fuel this mission. That's been really surprising for me. Yeah, and one of the amazing things is I have been involved in starting the downtown campus, ended up going to do the work of leading the Brookside campus, and Gabe had joined us as, as a fellow in downtown, and what allowed that shift to happen was just really God's incredible positioning of Gabe as a leader, as a fellow in downtown. He had a heart and desire to work in a city center. And one of the things that has just amazed me is not just that Gabe had that heart, that desire, and was in the right place, but truly watching from afar now what he's doing in, uh, in downtown and seeing he's a better fit in that role than I would have ever been, which is just an amazing thing uh, to see happen. And so, um, Gabe, it's just it's a treat to get to watch you lead and work there um, and would have just never expected it to be so beautiful and how God has, has orchestrated these, these You roles. and me both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when we, when we were thinking of Brookside and the, the idea came up of possibly Bill in that spot and, you know, and looking and thinking, 
we can't do that because of the goodness of downtown. And yet to recognize that, I mean, I love to say it was a grand plan. Uh, like it wasn't <laughs> it a grand was plan. It, <laughs> it wasn't ours. It just wasn't ours. <laughs> uh, that yeah, God yeah. had um, God's plan. something yeah. at, in, at work back behind there yeah. and the preparation of Gabe Stumbling. coming in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun to, when you get a chance to stumble into that. Mm-hmm. And that feels like in many ways that's the history of Christ's we community. We, we, mm-hmm. we, we don't know how we got there, but somehow or another God was at work <laughs> yeah. just yeah. in spite of us, right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So let's think about the future, and I'd love for you guys all to uh, chime in a bit on this question. Um, as you look forward now to the next five to ten years, um, I don't know if this is the right question, but what are ways you're hoping you will be surprised? Um, I guess it wouldn't really be surprised if you're hoping for it, but um, just think forward a bit, and you know, let's just have a bit of conversation. What would, what, in what ways are you hoping that God might surprise you? Well, one thing we're doing really soon uh, is, is focusing more on integrating our faith and work and how does our faith impact our work. Yeah. And, and not just in how we think about our own Christian lives, but how we serve and love our city through our work. Mm. And so we're st- starting a series on that really mm. soon to help us unpack that. I'm really excited about that. And obviously related to that is this whole made to flourish thing. And uh, we shared a little bit about that. Um, I think we all know what it is, right? Um, But uh, this incredible opportunity God's given us, it's still so new. I would love to see in five years made to flourish, really having a national impact and equipping pastors uh, to do this faith and work integration in their churches all over the country. And one of the things I love about this too is we've always been about trusting God to multiply leaders yeah. and yeah. disciples, right? Yeah. And churches. Yeah. And what we're seeing too is something we wanted to do for quite a while. Kevin, you know that yeah. we've been praying about this mm-hmm. is how do we help bring leadership development into the life of everyday life and vocations of everyone? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about the Kansas City Fellows Program and the Kansas City Fellowship Initiative is to create this one year exposure for younger students who are coming out of college Mm. to press into the vocation that God's calling them to in an integrable way in the local church and families. Mm. And so I'm just really thrilled that we are not only developing people who are called to the pastoral vocation, but to all of life vocation. It's something we wanted to do. And now with the Kansas City, and part of that is a partner we've had so deeply in our hearts and committed to is Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. All of you were a part of that. And and I've served on the board and we've been working. And part of the Kansas City Fellows Program allows us again in in multiple ways to bring an extension site of Trinity. So Trinity is going to come here and we're going to have a theological educational center that will allow us to expand our mission in developing leaders, multiplying disciples, and multiplying churches. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. amazing to think of the possibilities, you know, in both of those. But even thinking of the Kansas City Fellows, I remember mm-hmm. when we first heard that idea, there was this statistic that was uh, shared with us that 60% of the people who go through that program stay connected in that community in that local church. And just to think, you know, again, looking back at the long history of our pastoral fellows program, to think of the Kansas City fellows over the next 10, 15 years to have 100 plus um, people investing in the marketplace, investing in our city that started well. I mean, it's really powerful to think of the possibilities. Somebody else, somebody else jump in. Yeah, I think kind of picking up on this idea of investing in our city and even beyond that into our world, one of the things that I think there's a potential for God to really surprise us in, in ways that 
we can't even fully imagine now is as we've grown from one campus to, to five, um, we have an opportunity to be reaching out into our city and mm -hmm. around the world mm -hmm. in ways that we yeah. never could have imagined six years ago. Yeah. And I think we've done some new uh, strategy work, both as it re reflects in, in global outreach, global uh, extension ministries, as well as, as ongoing work in local. And I'm just eager to see what's in store for us there. Um, is five campuses deployed across our city. I think the opportunity to impact our neighborhood as well as to have real relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ around the world yeah. uh, is just an area of, of real potential surprise for us and joy. Yeah. Well, and, and a piece of that too is even as, as I thought about what, do, what I hope for Christ community in the future is, is praying. One of the things I regularly pray for is people who don't know Jesus to meet yeah, yeah. And, and come yeah, to faith yeah, yeah. in Jesus. And I know that's something we've talked about and prayed for that as we live in a, a world that increasingly, especially our culture, increasingly just church and Jesus isn't a part of, of people's lives. We long for that. We pray for that. We'd be present in our neighbors, neighborhoods and neighbors' lives and that they would meet Jesus through our church, through our people scattered about our city and come to faith in Christ. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why we plant churches. That's yeah. why we continue to do that and want to be a part of that. And, you know, I don't... I don't know what that's going to look like, right? None of us do. And, um, but I get excited thinking about uh, additional campuses. And, and who knows when, who knows how. And the last thing we want to do is get ahead of God. But um, you have to see those people coming to faith in Jesus and being able to connect into a community in their neighborhood. Um, that gets me really excited. Not because, not because we're, we're great or we've got it figured yeah, out, but because yeah. uh, new churches reach, reach new people. Uh, yeah. We want to do that. Yeah. And with that, I mean, just thinking back once again to that first time sitting in an elder meeting and hearing how God laid on someone's heart this radical generosity to continue to fuel the mission of multiplication, specifically in facilities and how that becomes a gathering space and where private faith, or faith becomes very public within a community. I, that gets me very excited about when we think about a space for Shawnee and looking for this more permanent and public space where others can gather and it can become a ministering space for the broader community. I think about that for downtown and for future campuses or even Olathe's expansion, expansion, expansion yeah. as you guys continue yeah. to blow the roof yeah. off your place. I mean, as we think about yeah. these things and how God works through the generosity of his people, it's, it's exciting to imagine what could be in five, ten years. Yeah. Well, I know I speak for Tom in saying that it's a great joy to work together. And I think that's one of the great treasures for us, for me in particular, that uh, the way God has brought this team together and to be able to share um, this journey with each of you. For those of you who know Tom and Kevin, it was a miracle they didn't cry until... You saw it. It was close there at the end. Uh, but they didn't. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> uh, God has surprised us. I hope you saw that. God has surprised us. And we're convinced that he's not done. And the best days of Christ's community, I really believe this, the best days of Christ's community are yet to come. We haven't seen them yet. And it's not because we're special. And hopefully you noticed throughout this video, how many times we said, well, it seemed like a good idea, but we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but we serve an amazing God who shows up in the midst of our plans and our strategies and our meetings and, and does something with them supernatural. And, and our confidence and our excitement, they're based on who he is, not on who we think we are. And we know we still have so much to learn. God's not done teaching us. And so we wanted to take the rest of our time this morning uh, to look at a text this morning, and I, and I promise it won't be the full 30 minutes. Some of you are terrified right now. 
Um, just, just a few minutes to look at a text together and for us to keep going on our mission, multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches, to stay faithful on the course God has for us. What do we need to do? That's the question. What do we need to do to keep going? And if you have your Bible, uh, turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And in so many ways, the story of Joshua is worlds away from, from where we are as a church right now, and we'll get to some of those differences. But God's instructions to Joshua more than 3,000 years ago, they are still so relevant to where we stand as a church right now. We talked a little bit about Joshua this summer in our Moses series. So if you remember, Joshua is the leader who replaces Moses after Moses dies to lead God's people into the promised land for the first time. Joshua has seen God do amazing things in the past. Okay, think about the Red Sea, uh, bread from heaven, manna, uh, water from the rock. Okay, Joshua's there for all of that. He's seen all of that. And he knows that God has promised to do amazing things in the future. He's heard God speak of these things. So here they are in this moment, but there are big challenges ahead. There are big challenges ahead for God's people. And Israel and Joshua included are far from perfect they are nothing special, and neither are we. So God tells them three things, three big ideas uh, for Joshua as he leads the people and keeps them on God's mission together. Okay, and here's where I want us to focus. But first I want to read from Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the first thing, one of the first things that God teaches us here, what's our first big idea, is this. Let God set the mission. Let God set the mission. Now, obviously, we are not a people who are being given a land to conquer. We're not Israel, and the situation is very different, but what applies to us here is the way God uses and works through and for His people, okay? That's us. So, let God set the mission. Did you notice how many times did God say, Joshua, after you put a plan together, be strong and courageous, and I'll be with you in that? How many times does God say that? It's a trick, right? It's a trick question. Zero times. God never says that to Joshua, he says, follow my plan, Joshua. You're about to enter the land I am giving to Israel. Every place your foot falls, I have given you. It is so clearly God's plan and not Joshua's. And more than that, 
God points Joshua to his word, okay, the Bible, his instructions to Moses several times. Do according to all that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. God sets the mission. It's his mission that we're on at Christ community. That's it. And we have to go and we have to keep that in mind because what that means is that whenever we think about the future, whenever we think about our future as a church, our next step, we, actually, we have to look here first. We don't go here first. We go here first. You will not hear the word vision very, very much around here at Christ Community. Okay, what's, what's your, the, your church's vision? What's the vision for the church moving forward? Well, we, we, don't, we don't set the vision for the church. God's word has set the vision for his church. That's why you'll hear God's word preached here on Sundays. That's why we read it. We try to read it every day, all week long, and, and open here. That's why God's word is at the heart of so much of what we do around here, because this is where the vision is. This is where vision comes from. Our mission statement is to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. That's our church's mission. That is just a condensed version of how Jesus defines the mission of the church in the New Testament. That's all that is. And the thing is, when you let God set the mission and you follow him there, it makes the hard parts a little bit easier. It really does. Because sometimes when you're on God's mission, things are hard and they're painful, and change is never easy. And so I, I, Seriously, I remember uh, 2011, 2012, uh, when we sent from the Leewood campus 100 people to go plant Brookside and that was not always fun, and that was not always easy. Sometimes I still glare at Bill Gorman, the campus pastor, in meetings because of that. I'm, I'm just kidding, mostly. The loss, <laughs> the loss was not easy, but it was good because it was God's plan. He loves the local church. He loves the local church, and so we started another one, and now they've added a new service just this month. Those are all new people joining us in God's mission together, you see. When you let God set the mission, it makes the hard stuff a little bit easier, but it also can make life a little scarier. And that's the second thing that God asks of Joshua. We have to let God set the mission, and when we do, when you do that, you also have to let God have your fears. And it's interesting, if you read the rest of the book of Joshua, how many obstacles God's people will face along the way as they go into the promised land. There's enemies on every side. There's idolatry within the camp. It's not a cakewalk by any means. And yet God's greatest concern for his people in Joshua chapter one, which sets the trajectory for the entire book, his greatest concern for his people is not the threats around them. It's their fear within them. Look at verse nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we face today, Christ community, the same threat. Not the same enemies, not the same tactical problems, decisions that we need to make. It's different, but the same threat, fear. More devastating than any external obstacle we might face are our own fears. Nothing paralyzes like fear. And I really needed to hear that this week because I love comfort and I love security and I love routine and I love normal, and the last thing I want to hear is that, I'll, is that my life in Christ includes the reality of hardship and facing my fears and passing through, pressing through hard times. 
And we can get so distracted by our external obstacles. There's lots of things to be afraid of in the world, if you want to be. Economy, job market, hostility at work, hostility at school, hard decisions, failures, regrets, all of those things. But when you open yourself to God's mission in the world, what God is really asking Joshua to do here is to release control to him. God's saying, I know what you think you want. It's that comfort and security stuff. I know what you think that you want. Let me give you, though, what you really need. And allowing God to do that in your life is absolutely terrifying. But having fear, that it's not the problem. It's what we do with it that matters. So what fears are holding us back? What fears are holding us back? Maybe you're new to this whole church and Christianity thing. You've been coming a few Sundays, and you like some of what you're hearing. But the whole, like, give my life to Christ part is a little intimidating. As one who came to faith later in life, I understand that. I've been there. I get it. And just so you know, we want to be a place for you. If you're wrestling with that, if you have questions about that, we want you to feel comfortable here. It's not our goal to make you uncomfortable. But I do want to challenge you. What's holding you back? Is it a loss of freedom? Is it, I, I, I don't want to invite God into my life because I'm afraid of what he's going to tell me to do. <laughs> is it a loss of freedom? That's, that's a, that's a fear-based reason. Is it, is it because you know there are things in your life that you know you should stop doing, but you, you, you don't want to yet? See? That's a fear-based reason. Or maybe you've been doing this church thing for a while now. Uh, you come on Sundays, you engage on Sundays, but a community group or volunteering for a service or getting to know one of our ministry partners, or serving with our students, or children, whatever it is. What, it's too much. <laughs> it's too Even signing the clipboard for you as it goes by <laughs> is too intimidating. Maybe you've been coming for a while, and you haven't really started investing here yet, even by letting us know that you're here. We need you to invest here. Hear me say that. We need you to invest here. We cannot grow as a Leewood campus without your investment. We cannot, downtown, Olathe, Brookside, uh, Shawnee, they cannot grow without your investment. Time, talent, and treasure, all of those things. So what's holding you back? That's you. What's the one thing you can do this week to take a, a greater step forward in an investment, even if it might scare you a little bit? And if you're new, I kind of singled you out this morning and talked to you about the guest table. I'm going to do it one more time. There's a newcomer coffee coming up next week. Okay, it's really low-key. You go to a room, have some coffee and treats. You talk a little bit about yourself. We tell you, you learn a little bit about the church. You're kind of putting yourself on the radar around here. And for some of you, that sounds absolutely terrifying. I, I get it. But think about it. Think about it. That's one step you can take. Next Sunday, second service. That's one step you can take. Let God set the mission. Let God have your fears. <clears throat> But then let God be your courage. And you cannot read a passage like Joshua 1 and not pick up on God's call to courage. Three times in the passage, God says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, only be very strong and courageous. And the reason we are able to be courageous has nothing to do with us. God never says, Joshua, don't be afraid because you're good enough and you're smart enough and gosh darn it, people like you. He never says that. <laughs> It has nothing to do with Joshua's abilities or his insight or his leadership. The reason we can be strong and courageous is the promise of God's presence with us. Just as I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is our mission. He is our hope. He is our joy. And he's here with us. He really is. In the thick of it. And he cares about his mission and his church. And he cares more about your kids and your work and your marriage and your school and your relationships than you do. He cares more than we do. And he promises to stick with you to the end. Only be strong, he says, be courageous, be faithful, stick with me. And I can't tell you what a joy it is to serve alongside of each and every one of you in this way. So many of you, you don't need me to tell you any of this. You would preach this sermon better than I am. You're li- you are living this out right now so beautifully. And I am blown away when I see you inviting neighbors and friends to church here to engage with you. That's a risk. When I see volunteers in the lobby chasing down new people, hopefully not in a negative way, but if you're going to err on one side, right? To make sure they have what they need, they know where they're going to engage on a Sunday morning. When I talk to my kids after church about what they've learned, and I know someone loved them enough to play with them and teach them for an hour and 10 minutes. When I meet with a ministry partner, Okay, someone in our city, and they tell me Christ Community is one of our favorite churches to serve with. Okay, that's a regular occurrence for me. When I see students and children in here, and I, know, I do see you, which is a warning, I guess, but <laughs> you are working so hard to sit still and pay attention even when I'm being so boring because you know that this is important and you want to learn more about the God who says you are his children, and who says I love you. Seriously, that blows me away. When we start a new initiative, like the Kansas City Fellows, and I see people from this congregation hiring them, mentoring them, because you believe in what God can do through them in the marketplace. And when I talk to other pastors, and they see that we have five locations, five campuses, and I tell them we're debt-free, because of your generosity. You should see their faces. Do you know what we're able to do as a church because we're debt-free? Because we're not socking money away to debt service? Do you know how incredible a gift that is that you've given to us? Because of your generosity, you are so much more courageous than you think you are. And if we can keep it up together, there is no telling what God can do. Seriously. I truly believe that. He has not done surprising us, not because we're great, but because he is. And none of that, none of this would matter without our true Joshua. The story of Joshua points to Jesus. Jesus Christ, who loved the church and the mission so much, more than we can ever imagine. He gave himself up for her completely. And it's by his grace and my prayers that we would continue to give ourselves away to our, our neighborhoods, our city, in our world, a decade of deployment, same thing, that we would never let our fears turn us inward, but our courage and our trust in God turn us outward to a world that is so desperate for the good news of Jesus Christ and everything that that means. Before we're done for the morning, we want to take communion before we leave to, to center ourselves on this Jesus and his mission. But part of what scripture tells us to do whenever we take communion together, is to examine ourselves. 
to ask questions of ourselves. So I want to do that just for a few minutes this morning. So here's what I want us to do. There's not enough silence in our lives. I know you're going to leave here into a loud, crazy, busy world. So I want to take just a few minutes of silence here to think through two questions. And then I'll close this in prayer. Two questions. The first is, what is your next step here at Christ Community? Where is God tugging at you to deeper investment? What is that thing? Hopefully you've been hearing God speak to you a little bit about that. What is that? And then what's holding you back? What fears are holding you back? And can you begin to pray for God's help and open doors and opportunities in light of that? Okay, those are your two questions. Bow your heads with me in silence. Father, there is so much around us that is frightening and so much within us that is deceptive. Our ever-changing world and our ever-shifting hearts. But you, Lord, do not change. And we trust you. Set our mission and take our fears and be our courage now and forever. Amen.